take your copy of God's Word with me, and open it again to the epistle, the letter to the Hebrews, this half letter, half sort of sermon, letter-sermon hybrid that is written by an unknown author to Jewish believing or Jewish background Christians in the first century, calling them to look at, to set their eyes and their lives upon Jesus who is greater than everything. Today we look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19, following up on what the author of Hebrews showed us last week in the first verses of chapter 3, that Jesus is greater even than Moses. Moses was great. Moses is an exemplary figure in the life of the people of Israel, but Jesus is far greater even than him. In light of that, in light of that reality that Jesus is greater than Moses. The author of Hebrews today in these verses that we're looking at this morning calls the people of God to pay close attention to the word of God so that they might not harden their hearts in rebellion to God like the people that Moses led hardened their hearts against God and his word. There's one main idea, one big idea I want for us to pay attention to today, to focus upon this morning, the, the call of the author of Hebrews in these verses, which is this. Church, the Holy Spirit is speaking, so help each other to listen. The Holy Spirit is speaking, so help each other to listen. As we look at this truth today, uh, this idea that the author of Hebrews fleshes out for us, I would hope that we would learn to and, and, and be dedicated to using the truth of God's word to help one another fight the the stubborn rebellion that comes uh, with sin in our lives and to fight stubborn rebellion with willing faith and willing trust in God. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. Our author writes, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The Holy Spirit is speaking, church. Let us help each other to listen. The first reality that we are brought face to face with in this text this morning is that where Scripture speaks, God speaks. Where scripture speaks, God speaks. Verse seven, the author of Hebrews says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he cites uh, from one of the Psalms, 
uh, from Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. The author of Hebrews is saying the, the words of the psalmist are not just the psalmist's words. The words of the psalmist are God's words. They are the Holy Spirit's words. So where the scripture speaks, God is speaking. This idea that all of scripture is not just a human word, but a divine word is underscored for us. And we are reminded of it by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You know this passage where Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, uh, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Where Scripture speaks, God speaks. Where Scripture speaks, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking. This is a book that is written by divinely inspired human authors who are carried along by the Holy Spirit, as Peter says, to write what God has said to his people. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he calls us to listen, doesn't he? The author of Hebrews says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verses 7 through 11 of Hebrews chapter 3 refer back to their citing Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. And Psalm 95, 7 through 11, uh, recalls for the people of Israel the events of Numbers chapter 14, verses 2 and 4. There in Numbers 14, you'll recall the people of Israel have been led out of slavery in Egypt. They've been brought up to the edge of the promised land, and they have sent 12 men as spies of sorts to take a survey of the land of Canaan that God had promised to Abraham and to his descendants that they might go in and conquer it uh, and, and inhabit it. And on coming back, 10 of the spies say to the people, there's no way we can take this land. It's full of giants. Uh, it'll be a disaster. God has brought us this far, but he can't take us that far. We, this land is not for us to take. Let's do something else. Moses, take us back to Egypt or give us someone else to do so. And there were two men among the spies, two of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, who said to the people, no, 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 the, this land is everything that God promised that it would be to Abraham and his descendants. It's everything we expected it and more. We ought to faithfully follow God and take the land as God has given it to us. But instead, the people of Israel listened to the voice of the 10 rather than the voice of the two and rebelled against God. Numbers 14 verses two through four says this, the whole congregation, all the people of Israel said to them, to, to Moses and the leaders, we wish that we would have died in the land of Egypt. Or, or, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let us choose a leader and go back to slavery. Let us choose a leader other than Moses, who's not led by God, and go back to where God has just rescued us from. The Holy Spirit calls the people to listen. He says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts against the call of God as that generation of Israelites did. So what was it then that God was calling those Israelites to do in, in that moment as they set, uh, stood on the cusp of entering into the promised land? God's call to them was nothing less than total dependence upon him to trust his power to trust his will, to trust his desire for them as a people to spread his glory among the people of the earth, to give them rest. Verse 11 says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
that generation of faithless Israelites who did not want to go into the land of Canaan would not enter the land of rest. Rest in Canaan, the rest that would take place in the land of Canaan, looks back to the rest that man had with God in the Garden of Eden. And it also looks forward to the rest that those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus will have in heaven. Rest does not mean absence of work. There was work in the garden. There would be work in Canaan. There will be work in heaven. Right? But the work that we do in that kind of restful state with God is the kind of work that you enjoy doing on a Saturday afternoon, not the kind of stuff you have to do, but the kind of work you want to do, the, the kind of work that you feel good about doing and feel like, you've ha- have, feel like you've accomplished something at the end of it. Rest is not uh, uh, taking a, a, an eternal or eschatological nap. But it is working, and working, though, in the presence of God. Rest is resting from sin. It is resting from striving against God and and resting in the presence and and right relationship of God. That is what uh, the the Lord was calling his people to embrace as they would enter into the land of Canaan. And it was that that sort of rest that that generation of Israelites rebelled against and rejected. Where Scripture speaks, God speaks, and the Holy Spirit is speaking in the Scripture, calling us to listen to the call of God, to hear the call of God, and to respond to Him in faith. And so we come to verses 12 through 15, which are sort of the logical center of the passage that we're looking at this morning. And here in the logical center of this passage, where all of our attention should go, the author of Hebrews, and through him the Holy Spirit, is calling the church to take care. Take care, brothers, because there is a pattern of disbelief and a pattern of rebellion. Take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It is absolutely critical that we watch our own hearts, even as those who are followers of Jesus, that we take care not to harden our hearts against the call of God, against the call of the Holy Spirit, to depend upon God in all things. And further, we are to, as the author of Hebrews says, exhort one another. Exhort one another, he says in verse 13, every day, as long as it is called today. Exhort one another to do what? To listen. To listen to the word of the Lord, to listen to what the Spirit says rather than what sin says. And so he sets in contrast sin and the gospel, sin and the call of the Spirit. Sin is deceitful, we learn in these verses. And the deceitfulness of sin, when we listen to it, has the effect of hardening our hearts against God and against the truth. And as our hearts harden against God and against the truth, we are led to rebel. We press back against what is true. We want to follow our own truth, if you can call it that, our own way. We rebel against God. We, we do not walk toward him in faith, but we walk away from him in unbelief. And as the scripture says, as we walk in unbelief from God, we walk in into death and into destruction. Sin is deceitful, which leads to hardening, rebellion, unbelief, and death. But the word of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, the gospel, is not deceitful, but it is entirely true. And the truth leads to a softening of the heart. And as our hearts soften to the truth of God's holiness and our sinfulness, we are led to repentance, to turn from our wickedness and turn to God. And in our repentance, we're also led to faith, to trust Jesus, the one who gave his life for us. And in giving our lives over to him, we enter into not death and destruction and the wrath of God, but life and rest and joy and peace in his presence. We are to exhort one another 
encourage one another to listen, not to the voice of sin, but to the gospel of truth, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. To the one who may be among us this morning who is not yet a Christian, the call of the Holy Spirit, the word of Scripture today is this. If you hear the voice of God, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, do not harden your heart. Hear the gospel today. Hear the good news today and hear God's call to you to trust him. Today, dear friend, if you are not a follower of Jesus or maybe you've been pretending at it for a long time, hear the word of the Holy Spirit today who says, believe on Christ, trust in him, have your sins forgiven. You know, the greatest lie that sin tells all of us is this, you know best. Listen to your heart. You are the master of your own destiny. Those are the greatest lies that sin tells us, that our sinful hearts want us to believe day by day. You know best. Listen to your heart. You're the master of your destiny, sin says. But the Holy Spirit says in Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Sin says, you know best. You are wisest. You're in charge. The Holy Spirit says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The gospel is foolishness to those who are listening to sin. That God would send his son to give his life as a perfect sinless sacrifice for people who have rebelled against God the king sounds like a ridiculous notion to people who listen to sin, to people who believe I'm the master of my destiny. But to those who hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, God is holy, you are sinful, you need a savior, Jesus is that one, this is the wisest counsel that we can receive. Sin tells us you are the master of your own destiny. You're in charge. You set the course of your life. Romans 6.23, the Holy Spirit says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear friend, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet today, or you've been pretending at it for some time, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Give your life in faith and trust to Jesus who gave his life for you to reconcile you to God, to save you from your sin to give you life, and to give you rest. The Holy Spirit, through the Son of God, says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To the Christian, this text, this passage, calls us to pay attention to other lies that sin tells us. We may be brought to ask the question, are we really in danger as a Christian, as one who's genuinely trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, giving my life to him, uh, uh, seeking to live, to honor and glorify him, am I really in danger of my heart being hardened by sin? The answer to that is yes. See, verse, look, at, look at verses 16 through 19, where the author of Hebrews says, who are those who heard and yet rebelled? It was all those who left Egypt led by Moses. It was all those who saw the power and the might of God as he delivered them from slavery. And with whom was God provoked with anger for their rebellion for 40 years? It was those who sinned and whose, the whole generation whose, whole bo- whose bodies fell in the wilderness. 
And to whom did God swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who were disobedient, those who saw the power of God, the wonder of God, the might of God, the saving, saving grace of God, and still said, no, I'd rather do it my way. The author of Hebrews is saying, in the same way that those Israelites who were rescued from slavery in Egypt were prone to be hardened by sin, so even those who may be part of the church, who may be Christians or identifying as Christians today, even they, even we are at danger of hardening our hearts. Even having seen the power of God, the grace of God, the wonder of God among us, even we can harden our hearts and rebel against him. There are several different lies of sin that we listen to even as Christians. There's one lie that sin tells us that the sins that we struggle with over and over and over again, those, those, those kind of perpetual sins that have a deep and strong uh, foothold in our lives, sin wants to tell us, look, this isn't really a big deal. Right? That, this sin that, that, that you're dealing, it's, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is, right? Don't, don't pay that much attention to your uh, uh, you know, addiction to pornography or your constant turn to anger or your uh, a constant... Uh, just despisement of people who are different from you. It's not a big deal, sin wants to tell us. But we are to exhort one another with what the Spirit says. Spirit says to us in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Christian, we are tempted to listen to the lie of sin that says this disobedience to God is not a big deal. But we need to listen to the word of the Holy Spirit who says, if you've died to sin, you can't live in it anymore. It is a big deal. Pay attention to it. There's another lie that sin likes to tell us, not to, not to try to convince us that we're, that we're uh, free of sins that continually plague us, but a lie that sin and Satan tell us to, to try to so discourage us in our faith to have no hope. There's a lie that sin tells us that says, you'll never be free of this. Your addiction to anger, your addiction to pornography, your constant turn to substances and relationships to fill a void in your life, you'll never be free of this. God is not powerful enough to save you from this. You will fight this until the day you die and there is no hope for you, sin says. But we encourage one another with the Spirit's words that say, for freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There's a third lie that sin tells Christians. It says confession is as good as repentance. Admitting you have a problem is just as good as dealing with the problem. This is a lie that I have been convinced by at times and even fed into sometimes as I've sat in small groups and accountability with accountability partners and we've shared the struggles with sin that we have in our life and our response to each other is things like, that's okay, I, do, I struggle with that too, I'll pray for you. I hear your confession, I'll pray for you. But that is not what scripture calls us to do. The lie of sin says confession is as good as repentance. Admitting you have a problem is as good as turning from that problem and giving it all to God, but it's not the same. Sin says confession is as good as repentance, but we press one another to faithfulness with the words of the Spirit that say, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, we remind ourselves of the word of words of Jesus. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent, Revelation 2 verse 5 says. We exhort ourselves with the words of the Spirit that say, this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
Not just your mere admission that you have a problem, but that you be made holy. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Confession and repentance are not the same thing. Confession is the first step in repentance. But until we actively and intentionally exhort, encourage one another, and help each other see the importance of actually turning from sin, changing behavior, being renewed by the Spirit of God, then we've not pressed forward into faithfulness and dependence upon God in all things. Even to the current situation in our nation with all of this racial tension bubbling up and boiling over again, there is a lie that sin tells us that says, this is not a gospel issue. This is not a thing that the gospel applies to. The gospel is just about salvation. It's not, all, it's not about how we live with each other in the world. But we do well to remind each other that the Spirit says that he, that Christ himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The gospel says to racial tensions in nations like ours and in other nations of the world, we are all as image bearers of God, worthy of the same dignity and respect that every human being has as a, as a creature of God's own handiwork. And Christ died to bring people of different ethnicities together not around common social goods, but together in the gospel, together in the truth that Jesus is king. There's another lie that sin tells us in situations that we face, like all of these with racial tensions and the protests of Black Lives Matter movement. And that lie is that this is the gospel. Pursuing racial reconciliation is the gospel. If we don't do this, we're not doing the gospel. But we correct that lie of sin with the word of the Spirit who says through Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. This is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Does the gospel speak to issues of racial reconciliation? Yes, absolutely. Is racial reconciliation the, the, the content of the gospel? No, absolutely not. That Christ died for sins is the gospel. So let us not listen to either of those lies that this is not a gospel issue or that this is the gospel, but let us hold uh, in tension and in faith the truth of what the gospel says to us. Let us not listen to the lies that sin tries to tell to deceive us, to harden our hearts, that, that we might rebel against God and continue pursuing sinfulness or, or to stop pursuing godliness and instead to walk away from him. And let us instead listen to the constant call of the Holy Spirit who speaks to us through his word. So how, dear friend, is sin lying to you? How is sin lying to you? In order that you might harden your heart, disbelieve, walk away from the grace of God. Dear Christian, are you daily, are you moment by moment renewing your mind with the truth of God's word so that you will be softened 
daily to repentance and faith. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, all of the Christian life is the life of repentance. Brothers and sisters, are we intent to exhort one another, encourage one another, as long as it is called today to correct the lies of sin with the truth of the word of God? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as those did in the rebellion, but respond with willing faith and obedience. We'll not have a kind of traditional or normal uh, response time where you come forward to seek prayer or give your life to Christ that way, but what we'll do as we dismiss in a moment is uh, I'll go out front uh, and, and I'll meet you out front as we go. If you'd like to talk more about trusting Jesus, about giving your life to him, about repenting from sin and the lie of, of sin in your life, to give your life to, to him, uh, I'll be ready to pray with you, to counsel you, to point you to Jesus. And if you have, if you're a Christian who's been li- listening to too many lies of sin in your life and you need help in pursuing repentance and obedience to Jesus, I'll be pleased to meet with you and pray with you there. Would you pray with me today and ask for God's word to land upon our hearts this morning? God, where your word speaks, you speak. So now help us to listen as those who have heard it, not just read to us, but open for us. God, give us greater faith day by day to trust Christ, to listen to the Holy Spirit more than we listen to the pool of our sinful hearts. God, let us not be hardened and rebellious, but let us... Let our hearts be softened, renewed. Give us hearts of flesh that beat for you that we might respond in faith and obedience. Help us, God, as those who have heard your word to live in obedience to it, to walk in faithfulness in Christ, to glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.